Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this week's Sabbath School Lesson Podcast. My name is Isaac Outerbridge, I'm a Bible worker for a church plan at Evans Head and a theology and ministry student at Avondale University and I'm privileged to bring to you Lesson 7 of this week's quarterly study. And What an awesome quarterly it's been so far. The book of Genesis is probably my favorite book of scripture, one of my favorite books of scripture and I'm excited that we've been diving into it. The title of this week's lesson is The Covenant with Abraham. So we'll just start with a prayer and we'll get straight into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we're spending in your word right now. We thank you for this lesson. And Father, we ask for your leading and guidance as we study this lesson, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our memory verse for this week was Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, and it says, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Lord, what will you give me? Abram asks. Little does Abram know what God had in store for him. This week we're going to study the Abrahamic covenant and what all this means. If you're leading a Sabbath school lesson, I would encourage you to pause this right now, get a pen and paper to jot down some notes. So, we start off with Sunday's lesson, and it's titled The Faith of Abraham. On Sunday's lesson, we see the covenant uh, being performed by Abram and God in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 21. God instructs Abram to gather together some animals, to cut them in half, and walk in between them. Now, you might have questioned this before, or you might, or you may not have, but what's going on here is actually a cultural act that was performed by the people at that time. When someone wanted to make a promise, say someone wanted, to, wanted some land or possessions or something to make a promise or covenant or agreement, they would cut an animal in half and walk through the middle of it, basically signifying you can do the same to me if I don't follow through with this covenant. So Abram's come to God with this inquiry, not so much a doubt, but just a question because he's almost a hundred. Sarai, his wife, is in the 90s or so, and he's just wondering about that promise that God made with him about all the nations of the earth being blessed through him in Genesis 12. So Abram asks, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram's just genuinely wondering if the promised son will ever come through him. So God brings him outside to look up at the stars and says, so shall your descendants be. And then, in my opinion, one of the most important verses in the whole Old Testament, maybe even the whole Bible, it says in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it said, Abram believed God and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abram believed God and he, God, accounted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. Now what's interesting is, through this ceremony, both parties were meant to walk through the animal to signify their promise and their willingness to follow through. But here, we don't find any record of Abraham walking through the animals. We only see God in the form of a smoking oven and a burning torch walking through the animals in verse 17. Then afterwards, in verse 18, it says, Later that day, God made a covenant with Abram. How could God make a covenant with Abram if Abram didn't do the work of walking through the animals? Because Abram believed in God's righteousness and it was accounted to Abram as righteousness. 
Abram just believed in God's faithfulness to fulfill the covenant that was, and that was enough. I get the picture from this scene, God walked through the animals for us because we couldn't keep our side of the covenant. If we go to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26, we see a prophecy of the Messiah known as the 70 weeks or 490 year prophecy. It talks about the Messiah and it says that he will be cut off. And later in verse 27, it says that he shall confirm a covenant. This is obviously speaking of none other than Jesus Christ, who was cut off from the Father and was crushed by the weight of the sin of the world to save us. This ceremony that Abram partakes in is a symbol of what was to come, where the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would be cut off to confirm a covenant for us. This is a powerful symbol of God's faithfulness to us, even when we are not faithful to God. So was Abram perfect after this covenantal exchange? Well, we only have to turn to the next chapter to see that he most definitely wasn't. Abram and Sarai have again lost faith in the promise of God and have now resorted to human measures to attempt to fulfill the promise of God. Sarai suggests to Abram to take Haggai as his wife so that she can conceive and give birth to the promised child. Abram heeded the voice of Sarai and did exactly that. I like how the lesson draws a parallel between this story and the story of the Garden of Eden. An example is Sarai, like Eve, is active. Abram, like Adam, is passive. And they share common verbs and phrases like heeded the voice, take and give. The lesson continues on to say that this parallel between the two stories implies God's disapproval of this course of action. Galatians 4, chapter, uh, ch- Galatians chapter 4, uh, verse 21 to 31 brings out this notion that these two women, Hagar and Sarai, represent two different categories of faith. Verse 22 to 23 says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. Verse 23, But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. When we try to do things our way rather than God's way, when we heed the voice of man and not God, we are actually binding ourselves as slaves. Romans 6.16 says that you are that one slave to whom you obey whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. If we bind ourselves in sin, if we heed the voice of man and take earthly wisdom and try to attain God's favor by earthly works of our flesh, according to the book of James, this wisdom does not ascend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. This is what's being conveyed here. There is a child, Ishmael, born of the flesh through Hagar, through human scheme and devising, thus could not fulfill the promise of God. Whereas Isaac, born according to the promise and will of God through Abraham and Sarah, was a fulfillment of God's faithfulness. We need to trust in the God who provides. We come now to chapter 17 where God is giving Abram some instructions. This is where God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah, giving them instructions about the promised son Isaac to come and God institutes this sign that every male male child among them will have to be circumcised. 
The lesson brings out a debate that's been held by scholars as to the meaning of circumcision. Because the rite of circumcision involves the shedding of blood, it could be understood in the context of sacrifice, signifying the, that righteousness was imputed to him, the lesson points out. Throughout the Gospels and into the letters of the New Testament, there is a sense of pride and arrogance with the Jewish people. These people were the ones of the circumcision and were, there were a sense of, I'm better than you because of this, and I'm more righteous, and just a sense of superiority. You can see this further in Galatians 3, I believe. But what's interesting is that, remember, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, what was that verse that I thought was super, super important? The verse said, Abram believed God and he accounted it to him. For righteousness. Was Abram circumcised then? No. It's a powerful reminder that the kingdom of God is available to all those who believe, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised, no matter who you are, what your bloodline is, what your background is. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Abraham and Sarah are in a process of sanctification, which is about growing into God and leaving behind the things of this world and separating yourself from the world. This act of circumcision could be seen as an act of sanctification, especially from the hiccups we've seen in their walk with God in the previous chapter. This could be seen as a form of growth and setting apart from the world. And this is something that all believers need to take part in. Not circumcision, but the process of sanctification, where you are separating from lifestyle habits and ways that are contrary to God and walking closer and closer to Him. That way He can mold you into what He needs you to be. We come to Wednesday's lesson now on chapter 18, and this is a really cool uh, and this is really cool because this is a build on the type of growth and sanctification that we saw in the previous chapter of 17. We really see the sanctification and growth of Abraham. In chapter 18, Abraham is met with some strangers at his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham's not sure who these strangers are, but the lesson points out real hospitality with Abraham, saying Abraham ward ran toward these men, these strangers. Um, Abraham ran toward the men, although he was 99 years old. He called one of the persons Adonai, my Lord, uh, a title often used for God. He rushed around them in the preparation of the meal. He stood next to them, attentive to their needs and ready to serve them. God responds to Abram with the surety of the promised son in verse 10. Isn't it a good reminder to entertain anyone who comes into our midst? To be servants, humble and gracious to everyone we come across in life because we never know who we're entertaining. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing you have unwittingly entertained angels. Don't forget about the stranger who you come in contact with. Show grace, mercy, and love, just as Christ has given to us. So now we come to chapter 18, verses 16 to 19 to 29. The lesson points out that Abram has just been reconfirmed in God's promise of a son. Yet instead of enjoying the good news, he engages in a passionate discussion about the fate of Lot in Sodom. 
Abraham is not only a prophet to whom God reveals his will, but he is also a prophet who intercedes on behalf of the wicked. Isn't it interesting that straight after when Abraham has received further confirmation of the promised son that's going to come from his body and that all the nations will be blessed by him, that his focus is not on that, but on the future of Sodom where his nephew Lot is and that he, is in, he has a great concern for the future of his family. Because of Sodom and Gomorrah's grotesque and incomprehensibly evil lifestyle, God had to intercede and destroy the city before it destroyed itself and even further affected the world around it. But God did so without destroying the righteous, which only numbered to be Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. We get this incredible picture of Abraham growing into a more mature faith in God. And that's what happens when we walk with God. Sanctification in God doesn't look like a straight line up. It goes up and down and side to side because we're all on a journey in a world of sin and unrighteousness. But if our eyes are towards Jesus, if our eyes are lifted to heaven and we focus on the great goodness of God, we will grow more and more into him day by day, moment by moment. Thank you and I'd, I'd like to finish with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've spent in your word today, and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, Lord. Father, we ask that you continue to mold us and sanctify us, Lord, continue to draw us closer and closer to you. Father, please uh, bless everyone who has studied this lesson. Please bless us as we go our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.